Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Yeah. I want to talk about a book that you actually had me read a very, very, very long time ago. I mean, mm-hmm. this book is like part of the covers ripped off of it. Yeah, like that mine looks like the same rough. thing. It's pretty rough. And I think it's really misunderstood. So when it must have been 10 years ago that you asked me to read read this book. Um, and it was, there was a reason there was something going on in the business where it was important for me to, to understand some things in this book. But when, when you first said, I want you to get the book Winning Through Intimidation, yeah. my initial response was, I don't want to win through intimidation. Right. That was mine too when it yeah. was recommended to me. I think it's, I think it's probably, it's, an, it's a catchy title, but I think it's probably the worst title that you could use for the stuff that's <clears throat> in this book. It's interesting because like today, if you, if you look that book up, anybody that's done any YouTube videos on it, they always say what you just said about yeah. that title. Like nobody wanted to read it because it was like, what the hell is this? That's not what I'm looking, that's yeah. not what I'm looking for, but that's not what it was. And that book, I got introduced to that book in the nineties in Proctor's mentor study program, uh, back in the day. So it's been a, it was one of the best books I've ever read. Like that would be probably in the top 10 or 15 books that I would recommend for a business person to read. So just so everybody knows, we're talking about Winning Through Intimidation by Robert J. Ringer. Yeah. And there's lots of iterations of this sucker out on Yeah, the, on per, Amazon, the one like. that you really want to read is the one that was written in the 70s, which I believe that's the copy. And it looks like it. Yeah. It looks like it was written I know, in mine the looks like the you know, pages are yellowed and... Crispy and yep, nineteen seventy three. Seventy three. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's you want the you want the nineteen seventy three version of that book. The genius is in that copy. It it doesn't transfer over into the new iterations, in my opinion. Okay, I want to talk about how this translates to to business, right? So yeah. the the kind of the premise of the book really isn't about how you can win through intimidation. It's how others went through intimidation and what you should know about it so that you can avoid being intimidated and losing essentially, right? right? Because the whole main idea is that in any business or financial transaction, the person who is intimidated the most will earn the least. That's right. Right. It kind of goes back to, you know, the teaching of in sales, especially, I think, I think you covered this in in one of the sales series is on the, on the podcast a long time ago, but it was the most confident person wins. Right. 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 So the one who's most confident wins, the one who's intimidated the most loses. loses. But I think the interesting thing with intimidation is when you say the word intimidation, people have a specific picture in their mind. Yeah. And that's not usually how it shows yeah. up. Like a bullying type manipulating yeah. individual. And that's not really what it is. Yeah. Like kind of a David and Goliath kind yeah. of picture in your head of this, you know, big, strong, like mm, intimidating yep. you. Yep. But actually that's, that's not what intimidation looks like in, in right. business at all. First, what's your, what's your definition of intimidation? Like if I were to say, David, what does intimidation mean? Uh, what would you say? Try to manipulate, manipulate, manipulate you to do something that you don't want to do. Right to or to to intimidate you in a, in a way so they had to have you relent based on fear or anxiety um, or 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 in the way of, of somebody would respond to being bullied, which happens a lot in business. You know, I mean, 
<coughs> the interesting background of this guy was that he was a commercial real estate guy, I believe. And he he learned through going through that thing that he called screw screw university screw yeah, you yeah, university yeah, or whatever yeah. it was so yeah i mean that's that's what it means to me it it means that somebody is trying to knock me down in a negotiating situation of some kind uh and then i relent based on the fact that you're intimidating me yeah and it's interesting because We've heard from other people that that you and I are intimidating. I think that's funny. Well, I, I think that's I'm a like different kind of intimidation. intimidation. I think that's a different kind of intimidation. I mean, <laughs> like you said, when 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 people read that book, when they hear the title, they think, "Oh, I have to be a bully or a manipulator to win." That's what the book's about. And that's not what the book is about. But I guess there's, I guess. Now that you're at, now that I'm thinking about it, there's probably different versions of the idea of intimidation. Like you can feel intimidated because um, lack of self-esteem, or you could feel intimidated because there's people that have a higher education in a in a room or biz, or more business experience. People could be intimidated by somebody's looks or the way that they're dressed. There's lots of different ways that intimidation can show up uh, between two or more people. But in, in this book, he really talks about three different types of intimidators. Okay. So these are, these are like the three people that will show up in your life that will cause you to lose. And what are those three? So I've got my little notes here. All right. So type one is people who openly act in their own self-interest. Like they are absolutely blatant that they are acting in their own self-interest and yeah. they basically give zero shits about you. <laughs> right? That's correct. Like that's... That's it. And everybody knows those people. Right. Like, I see you coming. I know that you're doing this and I'm going to lose. Like, that's all there is to it. Type two is people who work behind your back to cut you out. So um, these are people who say one thing to you, but behind your back are working very much against you. Right. And then type three are people who, despite best intentions... Cut you out regardless. So what does he mean by cut you out? Can you I think he that? means by cut you out means do, do um, well, in his words, screw you. Right. Right. So despite their best intentions, you still get screwed. Kind of. So you either get the worst end of the deal or you get kicked out of the negotiation completely. Yeah. 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 And I think the, in business, I think, I mean, all three are dangerous, Right you can learn your lesson pretty quickly with type one because you can see them coming. Right. Generally, you're intimidated because you're worried about what they're going to think of you. You're not standing up for yourself, even though they're perfectly honest about the fact that they're tr trying to take something from you or, or, or benefit from you in some way that's going to leave you not benefiting. Yeah. Generally, you usually learn your lesson pretty early on with those types of people and then set boundaries and then that doesn't happen as much right. anymore, right? You know, we know what's interesting about this, yeah. about, about, about this book and the way that he approached this is if you think about the person that's on the, the side that they're being intimidated, it's interesting the value concept that they must be going into a negotiation with in their mind to begin with. And generally, we see this, anybody that comes from the middle class, working class community, it's the idea of fair. They just assume everybody's going to play nice and be fair. 
and they're shocked when they find out that that's not the way that it it shows up in many cases. I think a big main idea of this book is stop assuming people have your best interest in mind because they don't. I think that's perfect. Like the the whole, um, in every page, it's stop assuming that just because someone's nice to you, (laughs) that they have your best interest in mind. That whole concept of nice, I mean, we could talk about that for for a half an hour in and of itself, right? Yeah. Nice is, nice is, anybody, serial killers are nice. Right. Con men are nice. That's how, that's how they actually (coughs) intimidate and and manipulate you, right? And that's how he learned that lesson because he was assuming that people had his best interest and heart in these deals. And then he found out when it was too late that they did not. Yes. And that, and the, the interesting thing is, is, is there's a fine line between assuming everyone's out to get you and assuming not, assuming everyone doesn't have your best interest in, in Yeah, mind. there's a difference. There's a big there's difference, a difference there. there. So this isn't about like, assume everyone is a jerk and trying, and is trying to right. take everything from you. Right. People just generally have their own best interest in mind. Not, yeah. not meaning that they want to harm you in any exactly. way. They just choose themselves over you. Exactly. Basically. Especially if there's an interest that they need to pay attention to for themselves. Yeah. They're not necessarily thinking about you and what's best for you and uh, they don't even know what you need. I mean, it's not a, it, it's not something that is a conscious, I'm going to completely fuck you yeah. in this situation. Yeah. And this shows up in business in lots of ways, right? Like I, I was going to start talking about type two, um, the people who work behind your back to, to put you out. It's kind of like a triangulation as you you would call it in in psychological terms, right? Where yeah. where do you see that? I see this in in team. So I see this where the owner is has a team and there's one or two team members that are less than adequate or even just adequate. And the owner knows that there is an issue with these two, but they're not doing anything about it. And so those two subpar team members almost act as a cancer in the company to do harm. So they'll, they'll back channel, right? They'll, you know, um, start talking about the owner to the other employees. They'll start gossiping. They'll start, you know, you know, quote unquote shit disturbing. Um, they'll say that they're doing something and then they won't do it. These are the type of people that when the owner gets around to finally firing them, they uncover tens of hundreds of things that they didn't know was going on behind the scenes that they're now hearing from their clients or from the other employees that were going on. So they're covering it up at the same time. They're covering it up at the same time. And I think this is, this is so hugely rampant in small businesses because owners are afraid of what people are going to think if they let someone go. They have this ideal that potential is everything. I don't know how many times I've heard uh, of an, an owner of a company say, well, I think, I really feel like she's got such potential. Uh, I'm like, everyone has, everyone has all the potential in the world. The, the idea is that you're looking at performance data. Like that whole, she's got so much potential is just a way to avoid having a difficult conversation with someone, right? Yeah, just an yeah. excuse. Um, you know, they're, they're worried that if they fire someone, the rest of the team will be upset. So they're, they're controlled by their own inner fears, inner demons, inner assumptions about what's going on, and they're tolerating this employee. And while they're tolerating this employee, this employee is basically destroying them behind the scenes. Yeah. And they're not even aware of it. Yeah. Um, 
I would say... I had an employee like that one time. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. Ooh, story uh, time. Yeah, it was somebody... Story time with Uncle Dave. Somebody that I had to fire, and they went out and started telling people that I never paid them. And it was like, I've got all the canceled checks <laughs> that I paid you, right? Yeah. What was happening was that they were covering up that they had a gambling problem, a gambling addiction. So their, her family never saw the money. And she was saying that I didn't pay her in because she didn't want to actually come out and say that she had a gambling addiction and that's where the money was going. But she but she also tried to sabotage the sales team because she was telling them that I won't I wouldn't pay them. Well, we've seen that too in sales teams. Yeah. Where one person's not not hitting their goals and they're beginning to infect the other salespeople with why they can't hit their goals and all of a sudden all the sales are down. Excuse, right? Banking excuses. Banking excuses. We've seen this with assistants saying, you know, in one moment saying, oh, I'm so excited about working for this company. I want to help you grow. I want to, you know, really see see everything come off your plate. And then behind the scenes, they're overspending on budget. They're pocketing money without you without you knowing it. And all of this doesn't come out until it's, until it's too late. So, my big thing is, and I learned this from a different book called Trust by Ayanla Van Zandt, Such a good book. which really stresses the importance of performance data in trust. Because I think a lot of these issues happen when you just blind faith trust someone, right? Trust needs to be earned. Right. And in, in the book Trust by Ayanla, she really talks about let performance data make your decision. Not what someone says, not what they're constantly telling you, but what is their actual performance data and actually track that because you can justify anything in your mind. You can make excuses for anything in your mind, right? Yeah. But when you see actual performance data, what they actually did or did not do, actions speak way louder than words. Yep. Actions are the only thing that should be speaking, well, when, honestly. And, and the other thing is that trusting yourself or somebody else is also a skill set that most people don't learn. Like trust right. is one of those weird things where it's brought into your life at a young age and it's based on things that have nothing to do with trust. Like you could trust this person because they're nice. Which we already talked about nice. Right. It has nothing it has no. nothing to do with it. But rarely does somebody give us a breakdown of what trust looks like with us first and then with other people so that we can understand that it's a data driven uh, concept, right? Instead of just like some idea like this person's nice or they have potential. So I'm going to trust them to do whatever. Right. And I think the key thing with type two is that they're intimidating the other team members. Right. True. Like they're using, they're using manipulation to intimidate other team members to get on their side and to get away from the side of the business owner. Well, that's interesting that you so you say they're on their side. Why are they doing that? What is it that they're looking to accomplish? Significance. They just want to feel good just about feel their good. lack of performance. Yep. yep. Yeah, because they inside. I mean, we know this with narcissists, borderline personality disorders. This is a key thing in yep. their psychology, the triangulation, right? Because they feel like such terrible people inside. They have to. It's like a game. It's like how many pawns can I move on my side so that I can feel like I'm not a terrible person. And I'll do that any way that I can. 
And I think, you know, anyone listening, I'm sure you've been a part of, I know this was rampant in my first jobs, like all of my first jobs, this was, this was going on, you know, and we've talked about this with, with employees, like how many people, how many people have jobs and all they do is complain about the, the owner or how it's run or, you know, it, it's the same, it's the same thing. Yep. And then there's the third person who, despite best intentions, cut you out. So they're not inherently bad people. They're just in it for their own and wanting to help you, but end up not helping you right. basically. Um, and I think the, in, in business, the, the second one is probably, in, in my opinion, the most dangerous because the second one really calls you to stand up and, and, and really set boundaries and hold people accountable and do the hard things that a lot of business owners are afraid of doing or resist doing. Why do you think they have, so you, so I asked you, I said, why are you doing this? You said significance. But the other interesting thing is that there has to be some kind of significance there in order for them to have an effect on other people. Why do you think other people, people are susceptible to this type of an individual? Probably because they have low self-esteem as well. They don't want to, they don't want to stand up and say, this isn't okay. I mean, we had, so well, I'm going to share a story about something yeah. that happened within our team. Mm-hmm. So quite a while ago, several years ago, we had um, two team members working together on a project. They were both new team members. They were both new new hires. And one was quite young and the other one was a little bit older. And face value, it looked like everything was going great. Like they were working together. Occasionally I would get like hints of something, something's kind of a little bit off, but we were so busy. So I didn't like, you know, take a lot of time to, to really address it. Several months went by and finally one of the team members came to me and said, can I, you know, can I have a conversation with you? And it was in that conversation that I pulled out that this younger team member was being completely manipulated and bullied by the older one, which there were no signs of that outwardly anywhere. So that's totally against our culture. That's not what we're about. So immediately. And they didn't do that in front of any of us, right? Nope. Never did it in front of any of us. And that's also why we have a policy of when people come into our company in terms of clients, if they treat you poorly, everybody on this team knows because we are constantly on the lookout for people who will treat you and I differently than they'll treat our team. Right. If you're going to work with us, you're going to treat everyone with respect because we're going to treat you with respect. But no, there was no indication that this was that this was happening at all. Like it was kind of like shocking actually. Yeah. But had I put better parameters in place to begin with to have like you know more um, more frequent check-ins with each of them, it, I would have seen it. But this this employee was really young, really inexperienced, was worried, didn't want to upset the apple sure. court, apple, apple court was apple cart, cart. <laughs> was really trying to, to do their best. And finally just, they were at the verge of leaving. Right. So had conversation with the intimidating, um, intimidator, intimidator and, <laughs> and let them go. And it was just like, it was a real wake up call. I think because for that person, for that person, for me, 
it was a great teachable moment. Like this is what's happened. And this is why this, like, you um, this is why this needs to be talked about and we really need to build our culture um, because, I mean, that could have had huge repercussions. Yeah, it, it could have. It could have. And, and it also began to uncover an interesting concept about people being afraid of conflict at the same time, right? So, because I always, I always think to myself, now I, I know better because I remember when I was the person being intimidated way back yeah. when I was a kid, my first few jobs um, and being very shocked that people behaved in, in certain ways or whatever, didn't un understand anything. But people, people go along to get along very often. And in order to come, in order to come tell you, I'm a new employee, right? When am I going to come tell you I'm going to complain about somebody who's kind of my superior? That doesn't feel good right? I don't know the relationship that you have with that person. I don't know what you really think of me. I don't know how secure my job is. <laughs> There's a lot of fear that goes on around these things that often keep keeps the toxic side of these relationships alive. So the, the way to the way that you have found to build those relationships and set the foundations and the understandings of them right from the very beginning has been so different and so amazing um, that it that it it doesn't even allow this to start to breed within the right. organization itself. Can you talk about how you do that a little bit? How I do that in terms of our culture? Yeah, how do you do that in terms of the culture? 100% open communication. So when people know, it, 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 I'm going to reference another book, but unfortunately I can't remember the name of it, but it's on psychological safety. Um, when you can nurture in a culture the safety to express themselves, those things, they just don't, they just don't happen. So like for me, I lead with my mistakes. I, I allow myself to be vulnerable in front of the team so you that do. they know that it's okay for them to be vulnerable and ask for help as well. And I admit when I don't know things, I ask for help. I, I think I've asked for help three times today already with things because my schedule is absolutely nuts. Um, I ask for help with ideas. I ask for help with with um, figuring something out, problem solving. And that, so you lead by example. I lead by example. Yeah, I lead by example. Um but I have a question for you, actually. Okay. So we've been talking about, you know, how intimidation is used in a negative way. How, you know, people use intimidation to get what they want, how they manipulate, manipulate you. Can intimidation be used in a positive way? Yes. Yes. In fact, this book, when I first got introduced to this book, it was one of the ways that started to help me adjust my mindset on making a quantum leap. Because he talks about how to build your self-esteem up and how to show up in a way where you're being your best self and you're, you're really going in for the win. Like what does it look like for a person to have the mindset, possibly the way that they look or dress, the way that they carry themselves in a way that will allow you to, um, uh, to advance. That's what I'm looking for to advance much more, rapidly instead of like starting at the bottom and struggling your way to the top. It was a very interesting, and that was actually the truth, truth be told, 
that was the reason that the book was was recommended to me because like I said, it was part of a study program. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that my mentor was doing was working on how do you take somebody who is just starting out and really advance their mindset like 10 years so that they could start getting much bigger results, much faster. So it was, it was through this book and another book that I was reading that was allowing me to think outside of the box as far as where I was and the results that I wanted to get. And, and it, I think that it really gave me the foundation of the principles of how to think different so that I could rapidly increase my business, rapidly increase my income. And the other thing, which I thought was amazing, I think if you study this book, if you, if you understand that how you're seen by your peers or the people that you want to network with or have to do business with, when you're, when you're first coming in or your self-esteem is low or you don't have a lot of experience and you're actually creating an air of intimidation with another person that might not even be there because you're seeing yourself below that yeah, person. you're in comparison. You're in comparison. Yeah. This book helps bring you up so that you see yourself as an equal so that you're showing up to the table as an equal. Because here's the thing, if you're, if you're sitting across from somebody who is a strong personality, they may have no intention of intimidating you, but you feel intimidated because you don't see yourself as an equal to that person. So part of, part of getting what you deserve is your ability to stand up and be present in a strong way so that you get what it is that you want. But but I had to go, for me, what I had to do was I had to go find a way to get into organizations to speak. And this was back in the day where if you were not a well-known speaker and you did not have a connection, you were not getting in. Yeah. And I had a, and I had, in order for me to build my list, the only way to do it back then was to go speak. Yeah. Right? It was speak as many places as I possibly could. So... Again, this was a book that started to give me the foundation of how do I get myself to be seen at the same level as other people so they t so I'm taken seriously and I get the results that I'm looking for. And it 100% worked. How did you how did you like how did you do that? Well, the first thing so um the very first time I asked for a fee to speak now, and this was back in like around 2000, 99, 2000, I asked for $20,000 to speak and I had never been paid to speak before. So I think this is fascinating because um, I've had so many conversations with people who they'll, they'll just reach out to me and say, hey, you know, I'm just starting a business. I'm thinking of offering my coaching for free because I don't have testimonials. I don't have this. I know I'm really good at I do what I do, but yeah. I don't think, I, I think I just need to offer this for free, which is the exact opposite of what you just said to do. Exactly. To actually quantum leap yourself. Right, right. So one of the things that, that the book did and my mentor did was he said, how much do you want to make? And I gave him a number and he said, then you started that number. That's the number that you you start at. So it was, how much do I want to be paid to speak? It was that number. And I had just witnessed many people over a few-year period of time, oh, did they struggle with, you know, being paid to actually speak, and they couldn't ask for money, and they didn't know where to start. 
and it was crazy. I acted like I had been speaking for 20 years when I entered. And I said, this is what my speaking fee is from, from day one. And I got it. And that was what I stayed with for the longest period of time. I just entered it where I wanted to be within the platform of everybody else. And you were also okay with if they said no. I totally okay with they said See, that's no. The yeah, difference. there were people that said no. Yeah, that's the difference. People, Not many, but there were. Know, people will offer their services for free at first because they just don't want to, they don't want to hear someone say no. Right. The other thing was that I, I, mer- I, I so the, right, the terminology is like recruit up. I went and looked for people that were more um, successful than I was. People that had, the ability to, they had a bigger reach than I did. I did not look for people that were at my same level or lower than me, which seems to be the tendency of most business people when they come, whether they're sales people or they're marketers or they're they're networkers. I went and looked for, for bigger fish, much bigger fish, and I went and sold them. I went and met with them. I went and networked with them and it allowed me to expand very rapidly doing yeah. that. It's so interesting because that translates into into team and hiring too. How many business owners do we know that will hire people that are themselves rather right. than looking for the absolute best that they could possibly yes. hire to move them forward? Or below themselves even. They'll hire below themselves, mm-hmm. yeah. Because they either have a need to feel smart or they're worried about like, are they going to think that I'm a crabby, <laughs> crabby business owner? Or, you know, what are they going to think of this mess I've made? Yeah. Um, but they actually start from the bottom. I was in a, I'm a part of a... Um, um, a high-end kind of mastermind think tank with um, some really amazing business owners. And and I'm actually like small fish in this group. Like, so it's, I feel intimidated sometimes. Like, honestly, I walk in and I'm like, oh my God, what do I have to, you know, give to this group when, when I'm in a room with guys that have sold their, you know, sold multiple businesses and, and are walk or, you know, they got like $2 billion in their, yeah. in their bank account. And um, I was sitting in on a workshop, one of them was leading and, they, they ask the question, like, what, like, how can we help you? Like what, cause they're just in it. They're just in it to give at that point. Okay. Like they're, they're looking at legacy. They want to help other people, you know, they want to mentor. So they're just like, well, how can we help? And, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I don't, I don't even know like what to, what to ask. I was getting, I was all in my head, all like, you know, any question I ask, they're going to think that I'm like the stupid person or whatever. And one of the guys who I was in the room with said, you know, I don't even know what to ask you because I feel like anything I ask you is so below you. And the guy looked at him and said, when you put someone else above, you put yourself below. Don't ever do that. And I was just like mic drop in the room. And then I realized that almost everybody sitting in that room with me, all multi-million dollar business owners yeah. or operators like me, were feeling kind of the same way. Like we've never been in a room with someone who's who has who's had multiple businesses that big. And it was, it was intimidating, but it wasn't because they were intimidating us. We were, we were perceiving them through our own filter of how we saw ourselves. Uh, right. Yeah. So the idea behind this is that you, you see yourself where you want to be rather than in comparison to, to someone else. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, honestly, this book is so full of, of, we touched on probably 3%. Right. Oh, that, that, that is not a wasted book. Like, it's not like there's a couple principles and the rest mm-hmm. is just fluff. That book is chock full of fantastic information. And he does everything in a story form. So it's easy to read and it's easy to learn from. Awesome. Well, 
take a read, everybody. See what you think. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, thanks, David. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.